From Letourneau University, this is Story Hunt. I'm Alex Bowen. This time, liberal arts at the Christian Polytechnic University. I sat down with three of our professors in the Department of Humanities and Social Sciences to discuss their fields of study and why it's important that we invest in liberal arts even in the digital age. We also chat about a new initiative at Letourneau, the Liberal Arts Guild. For now, here's Daniel, Mark, and Randy. I'm Dr. Daniel Ostendorf. I teach history here at Letourneau University, especially with a focus on the non-American world. Um, As well, I serve as department chair for humanities and social sciences, and I'm privileged to be a part of the new Liberal Arts Guild faculty. I am uh, Professor Mark Moland. I'm the uh, global chair for our criminal justice and human services program. And my uh, area of expertise ranges from immigration policy to criminal justice to homeland security uh, to a long-standing love of the argument between the poets and the philosophers. And I'm Dr. Randy Compton and I'm a literature professor here at Letourneau, and my specialization is 20th century American, and my uh, special interests are poetry and the intersection of uh, literature and theology. So liberal arts has this actually sort of rich history and tradition within the Western world. Um, You know, we we talk about the importance of civilization, that you don't get the liberal arts until a civilization gives you the space to think freely. And that's really at the heart of what the liberal arts are. It's this chance to to use the freedom that you have to sit, to think about people, to think about stories. These are things you don't get to do unless you're given the free space to do them. And So liberal arts are really the free arts. They're the sense in which um, we have the freedom to pursue those things which interest us, those things which communicate to others. And they do come out of this this history of the Middle Ages um, and into the Renaissance especially. Um, And this invitation to a richer world of things that aren't necessarily utilitarian but are valuable in their own way. When you start reflecting on on, on what we call the liberal arts, it starts to give you this depth of perspective on the world and how we live in it. Because on the one level, in in my background is mostly public policy, you want to know how to do something. You want to know how to manage something. But the bigger question you often need to ask, and it takes reflection, is, you know, why do we need to, to manage this aspect of life? You know, what does good management even look like? And the bigger question is, you know, what is good for us as a community? And those are all liberal arts questions. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that idea of seeking the good of individuals, the good of the community, really stemming from the Greco-Roman world, really does drive a lot of the liberal arts. And I think, you know, some of the things I was reading recently is um, industry, tech, uh, industry leaders today are saying that the value of the liberal arts is that it forces us to think about people. Um, and at the end of the day, selling a car is not about selling a car. It's about connecting with a person. At the end of the day, building a good website is not about building a technologically sound website. It's about building a website that connects with your audience and understands who they are and what they care about. Um, and so this idea of seeking the good, how do we sort of pursue that, the person we're serving and understand them? Um, I think also there's, in the Christian tradition uh, of liberal arts, there is also a seeking after wisdom. Mm-hmm. And the, the liberal arts are sort of a special place where um, as Christians, we, we cultivate uh, wisdom. You know, there's a, the old joke that uh, we tell, that, you know, the sciences will tell you how to clone a dinosaur. The liberal arts will tell you why that might not be a good idea. <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and so, you know, in terms of cultivating wisdom, yeah. uh, you know, it's not just how to do something, it's well, should you do that, um, you know. And, yeah. and so there are those kinds of questions that we that we are able to raise, uh, yeah. both through history, through mm-hmm. studying characters, through mm-hmm. you know, the pursuit of uh, 
remains. So. Yeah, as you're talking, the image that comes to mind is this picture of Dorian Gray and this idea of a person who chased something that on its, on its face looks good, right? Extended life, extended youth, but came at such tremendous cost to himself. And I think that's one of the ways in which a story like that disarms us because we don't really think it's about us or about the things we value or about the cost of the things we're pursuing. But you get to the end of the story and you realize the picture of Dorian Gray is not necessarily just about Dorian Gray. It's about what it says about us as humanity and how we engage one another. I think that's. I think there's some interesting studies that are out recently that suggest that sort of support what you're saying in mm-hmm. the sense that reading fiction actually helps build empathy mm-hmm. in people. Right. right. It's, a, it's something that we act, it actually changes us and shapes us um, in, in our emotional life and not mm-hmm. just our intellectual life. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. And, and in that way, it's funny because I think sometimes we have the stereotype of the, the, the nerd who just sits around and reads a book by themselves. But I think actually what we would argue is the liberal arts is this invitation. I think you said it really well earlier, Randy, this invitation to community, this invitation to a conversation. And that reading a book in community, so actually coming to a university to study the liberal arts, invites you to have this conversation of empathy with others. And all of a sudden, it's much more than words on a page. It's actually this thing that's helping you learn to relate to people like you or different than you in a new way. Um, And what a rich, vibrant thing that is. Our engineering students are brilliant in their logical, linear thinking. I think one of the things that liberal arts hopefully does is takes you out of that linear box and says, okay, here's an issue, and now all of a sudden there's 16 different ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not one solution from A to B. And I think one of my hopes in teaching history, and I'll just take my discipline for example, is to get students to realize history did not have to go the way it did. There was not a linear story. It is a linear story in the sense that God created the world, God's redeeming the world, and Christ will return. So in a Christian worldview, it's linear. But the way in which that progresses has an ultimate number, an unlimited number of possibilities. Um, and so I think for students in, in humanities, and especially in history, it's realizing that the future has unlimited possibilities. And so there is not one sort of right answer. There are lots of possibilities. And what I hope they do is learn the skills to ask what those possibilities are, to consider how they impact people, and really just sort of look back on the past, say, okay, what were the legacies of decisions in the past, and how do I need to think about the implications I'm making now in lots of different areas. So I think, for my students at least, I hope it opens up the funnel for them to say there are tons of solutions here, now let's think through them. In my core discipline of public policy, we talk about wicked problems, and these are problems in society that uh, are not necessarily evil, but they don't have a single cause to them. For example, homelessness. You know, it would be wonderful from a public policy perspective to be able to say, okay, it's homelessness is a problem, therefore we provide houses, it's solved. But it doesn't work that way because in addition to not having shelter, you also have sometimes mental illness, you have drug addiction, you have economic issues such as extremely high housing prices. Uh, you have geographic issues, you have racial issues, you have a variety of issues that have been built into this culture, into this community, that when all squished together, you have this problem called homelessness. Trying to find ways to address that requires creative out-of-the-box thinking, because any one given solution not only will not solve it, but in some kinds, some ways may, may make it worse. I think, I think from my discipline's perspective, one of the things that we spend a lot of time doing is analysis um, of texts. Mm-hmm. 
and understanding, getting at meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that trains your mind a certain way. Um, And I think it uh, teaches you to ask questions a certain way and to see problems from different perspectives like you've already articulated. Um, But I I think uh, that just the discipline of reading, of explaining a text, understanding a text, thinking, I think that the, the, the discipline of learning to work through a text uh, and doing that with other people where you see how other people's minds approach a text. Um, it offers your understanding, not just how do I understand this text, but how are other people reading this? And then you get to hear, oh, I've ne- I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. And so hearing other people's viewpoints off- offers multiple ways of you know, seeing not, not all correct, mm-hmm. but almost certainly all interesting. And, and I think writing, right. like the discipline of learning how to write, how to order your thoughts and how yeah. to communicate with others, you have to, by necessity, take audience into consideration. Right. You're not writing for yourself. Right. You're writing to be understood. Mm-hmm. And whether you're writing fiction or writing, uh, you know, yeah. just academic prose, uh, you're writing to be understood. And mm-hmm. so by nature, you're taking other people and other people's needs and ability to understand into consideration. So that too is a discipline. Yeah, I really like that, Randy, because it, it, it's getting at something that I've been trying to wrestle with, with what's the difference. And I think that idea of considering the reader, but also the freedom that liberal arts people have. Mm-hmm. That it's really, you know, when I went into my PhD work at the University of Oxford, there was no sort of, um, I, I kept asking you, tell me exactly what I need, what are the, the pieces, give me, lay out the layout for this paper. And they kept saying, no, Daniel, you have to figure out the best way to tell your story. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out the best way to do the research and then figure out the best way to make the argument. And what I've noticed is with a lot of my colleagues in the sciences, there is a clear-cut cookie cutter that you fill out. And even in the, the journalistic world, there's expectations within the science world because there's this linear thought. And I think one of the challenges, one of the joys, one of the struggles of the liberal arts world is that there's tremendous freedom there. And it's really up to you as the creator to figure out what's the most effective way forward. Now, that's going to drive some people crazy, right? Because I just want to be told what to do. But I think one of the things I hope my students walk away with is this empowerment, this sort of feeling like there isn't a right answer. You know, we all we all get this question from our students, right? Hey, what's the right way to do this? What is the, the right answer? Tell me what to do. And I think in liberal arts, we're continually going back to them and say no. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do because I need you to figure out what's the most effective because I know that later on that's going to develop critical thinking and creativity in you to figure out appropriate solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love also there's that element I think in our discipline but the other side of that is modeling, right? Mm-hmm. We also lay models out right. and say here are the great writers, here are the great texts, Absolutely. here's how it has been done in the past. Yeah. And, and so to be a good writer, for mm-hmm. example, you have to be a good reader. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a foundational to being able to write. Is so so it, it, we're capturing in some sense the best of, of all possible worlds, where you're looking at models, you're seeing how things have been done, but then we're saying, okay, take this into account. Mm-hmm. Now you also are in this tradition. You that's are of this lineage of you know creators yeah. and, and makers. Um, right. What will you make? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's uh, that's a really important part of our, our yeah. discipline as well. That's really well said. This idea that it's not that we're aimless. Right. We do have models. We do have expectations. There are ways in which it's done well. But it is not a, a prison that locks us into one way. It says mm-hmm. learn from that. Take from it what you can. But now feel some creativity and freedom. 
Uh, one of the things that we like to talk about is not just who's going to major in our discipline, the, the liberal arts discipline, but it's also in the general education core. Um, all students have a chance to pursue the liberal arts to a greater or lesser degree, and so we love to see students who are not just engaged in some of those technical disciplines that are, that are obviously valuable to the students and valuable to society, but also the disciplines that are going to you know, enrich them and do the things that we've been talking about. We think and we look at the world and it makes common sense that you would go to college for the skill or the, 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 the job that you want, right? We talk a lot about going for the job you want, but I think what misses the point there is one in four or five years when you graduate, that job may be super saturated. That job may have changed tremendously. And I think what the liberal arts does as a result and the invitation into the liberal arts and maybe more importantly, why say the liberal arts at the Christian Polytechnic University like Letourneau is because you're studying liberal arts, this thing that has lasted throughout thousands of years in the context of that which is rapidly changing. And so what the liberal arts does for a technology student or for a student who loves liberal arts but now gets to do it in a technology-focused university is it says, okay, let's take these sort of rich understandings of the world, of humanity, of society, of communities, and then let's apply that to rapidly changing technology. Um, and so all of a sudden, a liberal arts degree at Letourneau makes a whole lot more sense than a liberal arts degree at a place that doesn't have a technology focus. Because mm -hmm. all of a sudden, yeah, you might be really good about talking about Plato, but what does Plato have to do with the technology that's developing today? You know, one of the things that I was thinking about earlier, um, Harvard Business Review a couple of years ago came out with this, this statement and this article that says, what matters is not the skills, but how you think. Can you ask the right questions? And I think at the end of the day, what's valuable in any workplace is not someone who has training that a hundred other people have, it's the person who's learned to ask the different questions, to see the world differently, that can bring new solutions and new ideas. Um, and I think that's where the liberal arts has so much to say uh, to our tech world. You know, one of the, the, the challenges we face, if we look at college's mere job preparation, most of the basic skills you need for a job is something you can be trained where you have uh, objectives that you need to perform certain tasks, and if you do that, you've completed, you can move on to, to do the work. But you know, education, when we sit back, especially education in liberal arts, you're focusing on how do we look at the world, how do we then process the world, and then share that understanding with other people as we hear their understanding of the world. And those skills are so essential in today's business environment and just in our communities, being able to hear different perspectives, think deeply about them, and then reply wisely. The Arts Guild invites students to be intentional about the way they complete their gen ed. This is a student who says, you know what, the liberal arts has much to teach me. Close reading, conversation, dialogue, debate. And so the guild is this opportunity to take, rather than take a English Comp 1 class, you get to take a rhetoric, or sorry, you get to take a reading and rhetoric in the digital age. Um, rather than just an intro to speech course, you get to take a course on rhetoric and oratory and debate. Um, and rather than just taking a history course, you get to take a history and literature course in conjunction, integrated with one another in which you are looking at literature with the context of history, you're looking at history in the context of what people are saying in the literature. 
Um, and so the guild is really this awesome invitation to say, man, I want to do these things well. I want to develop these things we just talked about and, and listening and close reading and communication and, and humility and charity. And now I want to be intentional about the way I do it. And it's also a reflection that we see the marketplace asking for people who have developed the liberal arts. And so we want to give our students an opportunity to develop a robust liberal arts sort of core. Well, yeah. you know, being here at a Christian Polytechnic University, you have the opportunity to delve into the technology side as well. So you have this ability to speak technically mm -hmm. while thinking deeply about the true, the good, and the beautiful. Yeah, and that's really the invitation to all of our students, whether you're a liberal arts major or engineering, is to become a part of this conversation. It's open to all students. Uh, it will be, it is focused on close primary text reading. So those who enjoy reading, those who want to be better readers, better writers, it's inviting them. They can reach out uh, to us either through the website um, or the guild at letu.edu is the, the email address, the guild at letu.edu. Or as soon as the students accept it at Laterno, they'll get information from us about the Guild. Um, and there's opportunities for scholarships if you live on campus and want to be a part of the Guild community. But you don't have to. You can also just be a part of the coursework. Uh, but we're excited for both those options. You know, lots of things I've been reading recently just indicate how much um, the tech world's asking for technicians who understand the liberal arts and for liberal arts who understand the tech world. And what there is no better place, I'm convinced, to do that than a Christian Polytechnic University like Laterno. That was Laterno Humanities and Social Sciences professors Dr. Daniel Ostendorf, Mark Moland, and Dr. Randy Compton. Find out more about the Guild at letu.edu slash theguild or at the link in the show notes. Story Hunt is a production of Laterno University's School of Arts and Sciences. This episode was produced by me, Alex Bowen, with help from Daniel Marino. Be sure to follow us on social media. Links for our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.